Welcome to the Ion Annapolis Local Business Spotlight. There are thousands of locally owned businesses in the area, some small and some large. Some you may know and others you don't. But one thing they all have in common is a great story, and we want to share it with you. Join us every Saturday as we talk to the founders, the owners, and the managers of local businesses you have come to know and love, and those you will come to know and love. Now here's your host, John Frenet, with this week's Local Business Spotlight. Hey, we're talking with Tim Balshi this morning, and he is the owner of Seasons Tap Room, which if you've not been, you need to get in there. It's at 180 Main Street in Annapolis, and probably one of my favorite stores for any kind of a a gift when you don't know what to give somebody because everybody likes oil and vinegars. How are you, Tim? I'm doing well. Thanks, John. Good. Hey, thank you. I do apologize. We had a little bit of tough time connecting a couple of weeks ago. We had some technical issues and Tim was very, very patient. So we were able to reconnect for the local business spotlight, but we wanted to learn about Seasons Tap Room. And the full name of this is Seasons Olive Oil and Vinegar Tap Room, right? So it's a really long name. That's right. Yeah. So, so it's, it's a, it's called, uh, it has tap room at the end of it, uh, because the, the concept of the store is you're able to, uh, taste and really learn and explore each olive oil and vinegar that we carry in the store, uh, before you purchase. How did you get into, I mean, there, there are a couple of these. I mean, I've seen them. I know you guys have four locations. You've got one in uh, Bethlehem, Lancaster, Morristown, New Jersey, and then down here in Annapolis. But how did you get into, you know, the olive oil and vinegar business? Well, it's a long story. Um, I'll keep it as short as possible. I, I started in the olive oil sector back in almost the year 2001. And that was, um, that was really just, um, you know, sort of my, my journey, understanding what fresh olive oil is, how it's made, and having the, this great experience of being able to live in Spain for a few years and actually make it and meet a lot of very interesting people in the sector and you know, sort of figure out, like, this is such an incredible product. Why isn't it in America in the freshest form possible? And why isn't this, like, early harvest green oil uh, readily available? That's sort of what piqued my curiosity uh, back then. And... You know, really, we started this small import-export company. We exported out of Spain under the brand Agrivol. We imported here into the U.S. Uh, near my hometown of Bethlehem, PA, where we had a small, tiny warehouse. And, you know, we really started the business out of the back of our car, driving to places like Zabar's, Fairway in New York City, uh, some of the better cheese shops uh, across the country, and uh, to great success, we sold lots of this green oil that was appreciated uh, by by people who love cheese and wine. I think it was a logical starting point for us. So literally out of the back of your car, going store to store saying, hey, buy my wine or buy my, uh, buy my literally. oil? Yeah, like we had oil in the trunk of the car by the case. And <laughs> we were starting, so it wasn't like we were selling pallets of oil. Uh, but we were doing a lot of demonstrations, a lot of tastings. Um, similar to what you would do at a cheese shop where a cheesemonger would slice off a piece of uh, Gouda or Reggiano and have a little taste and you'd sort of assess and see if you'd like to purchase it. That's kind of what we did with uh, with our olive oil back in the early 2000s. And uh, eventually we were picked up by the Chicago Tribune. They wrote about us, um, Wine Spectator, 
wrote a nice little feature about the quality of our oil. And we felt really confident that if these food writers are paying attention to quality olive oil, maybe we're at the beginning of something interesting. And look at that. You're here. You're on eye in Annapolis. This is amazing. You know, does life, does life get any better? For you? It doesn't. <laughs> happy to be here. Happy, happy to be here. Uh, well, this, I mean, this is amazing. Now you've, you've grown to four retail locations and yes. I've been in there so many times and there's, and, and I, I don't know how many, I'm going to say there's probably at least two or three dozen different oils and vinegars that you can taste there. Yeah, there's about 60 products we carry in the Annapolis store. And, you know, again, they're all available to try. Um, no, no commitment necessary. You can taste the entire store and walk out or, you know, you can choose to purchase a few items. But really, it's about the, the journey uh, from a culinary perspective, uh, from a contrast of flavors. We have lots of flavored vinegars. We have lots of really interesting wine vinegars from all over the world, you know, and of course, the, the fresh olive oils. And some of them are even sort of fused together with lemon, like lemons are crushed with olives at the same time. Pepperoncino from Italy is crushed with Coratina olives to make our, our pepperoncino and garlic um, olive oil. So there's a lot of sort of artisan uh, hands-on craftsmanship is involved in some of these smaller batch oils that make them very unique and interesting. Even in your store, though, I mean, you're, um, you know, your your managers and the employees that are in the stores, they always have good and I'm going to use the word recipes, but to turn around and say, OK, well, let's let's mix up a little bit of this vinegar and a little bit of this oil. And, and you know, you get this burst of flavor for your palate that's just, you know, fantastic. Yeah, you know, our manager, Taryn, does a super job making product suggestions and pairings and, you know, certainly offering cooking classes in, in pre-COVID times, at least. And, you know, sort of promoting the culture of, of what extra virgin olive oil means, the health benefits, the anti-inflammatory properties, the fact that you can saute with it, you can fry with it, you can cook with it. It's not, um, it's not just meant for bread dipping. And I think that's opened a lot of Annapolis residents' eyes to what's what's possible to do with um, this real fine quality extra virgin olive oil and aged vinegar that's sort of best in class. It's it's a great product to have, and it's um, a key to the Mediterranean diet, and certainly uh, a very necessary pantry staple. Well, the website that you guys have is seasonstaproom.com, and that's everything the way it sounds spelled out. There's nothing funny there, but as a idiot, when it comes to culinary things here myself, what is the difference between, I mean, what is, you just mentioned extra virgin olive oil. What is extra virgin olive oil versus, is there a virgin or is there a non-virgin, just a basic olive oil? Yeah. I mean, well, you know, that's a, that's a very good question and a very, with a very confusing answer. Um, so extra virgin olive oil by definition has an acidity of less than 0.8%. And acidity, unlike wine, is something you can't taste in olive oil. It's really a reflection on the quality of the fruit at time of crush. And, um, you know, in terms, of, in terms of having no defects, which is the other definition, it's a bit of a strange standard. I mean, imagine, imagine buying a wine that was red with red wine on the label. And, you know, the attributes were it has an acidity of less than, you know, in olive oil's case, less than 0.8 and no defects. That's, uh, you know, not so exciting. 
So what we specialize in is making extra virgin olive oil in its green form, crushing it very early when the fruit's still green. And, you know, although there's less oil in each olive when you crush, uh, making it a lower yield at the mill, uh, we do. We also have a, a mill we operate in Spain, which is um, another interesting component of seasons. And it won many awards for quality. And, you know, what does that mean? Um, it's, it's really just a, a function of high aromas, very interesting, clean flavors in your mouth, persistency, like you taste a fine wine. And there's sort of a beginning, a middle, and an end. That's what I would consider a fine extra virgin olive oil versus just the sort of industry standard, no defects, acidity below 0.8, who knows how fresh it is. Okay. Um, you know, that's, that's sort of par for the course. And it's difficult to make. Not a lot of farmers will sacrifice, in some cases, taking half the yield they would take crushing in October versus waiting another month or two. It's really an economics question. So we have to buy the fruit either from our own farms or from others to make this great olive oil early in the season. No one's showing up in October with truckloads of olives ready to crush. It's too risky. You said olives are fruits? I didn't know that. They are. Yeah. Just like a, a peach or a plum. It's a stone fruit. Huh. I didn't. And it's the uh, another interesting fact, the only stone fruit in the world that produces an oil. Why don't I like olives, but I love olive oil? We hear that a lot. <laughs> I should write a book about it. I'm still a bit perplexed, but you know, it's funny. There's some people that just have this perception that they love olives and they can't taste olive oil and vice versa. Not sure why that is, but we've certainly converted you know, more than a few into great <laughs> extroverts in olive oil. Well, you mentioned that you've got a, a mill, you called it a mill in Spain? Yeah, we have a, a large mill. It's um, a family-owned, it's a family-owned mill. So unlike a co-op, we get, con we get to control everything from A to Z, including quality. Uh, the mill was built in 2007. Um, we crush right around, well, I want to say, close to five to six million liters of olive oil. Um, and that begins in the month of October, and it ends right around early December. Um, of course, we only sell to ourselves and to the stores October and maybe the first week or two of November. Uh, when very good, high-quality Arbikina is made. The rest of it is just kind of bulk, and it's sold off to um, larger industry. Interesting. So now, is all of the oils that are in your tap rooms, are they all your own oils? or Because I know you said that, I mean, you yeah, you buy um, from different not, farmers. Yeah, that, we do. Yeah, we do. You know, being in this business for 20 years, you meet so many interesting, amazing farmers and mills and just people that have a passion for making high quality extra virgin olive oil or high quality vinegars. And we sort of stitch together a little network of producers who have been with us for the last 10 years. And all of these producers um, supply us with bulk product that we specify and they make. And there's very, very specific quality parameters. So we can sort of release this to our customers and just amplify the experience of freshness and flavor and aromas and kind of make cooking exciting and um, to great success. Lots of our customers keep coming back because they just can't get enough of it. And that's, uh, I think, a testament to quality and also to Taryn at the store. She's a wonderful manager. She's visited Spain with my wife, Soraya, whose family owns the mill. And uh, Soraya and Taryn 
made olive oil. They went to tasting classes. They've done everything they're supposed to do. Really understand the subject and always like sort of keep growing within this channel. And um, there's so much to know. Like there's literally encyclopedias uh, written about this subject. So we're always learning something new and it's a very dynamic industry. Well, I know that olive oil has been a huge staple of, of Europe, obviously the mills in Spain. Um, for years and years, but it's somewhat of a relatively new concept here in the United States. And and you sort of alluded to that when you said, hey, back in, you know, 2000, you said, hey, let's bring this into the United States. I mean, have you found that this has really taken off for you? I mean, I'm assuming so because you started with a store in Bethlehem and now you've got four stores and a mill. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bethlehem is not a uh, sort of uh, – global crossroads city. It's not New York or Los Angeles or London. It's a small town. Um, the population here, um, similar to Annapolis, is relatively well-educated and people are interested to learn. So we, um, we have a few universities in this area with lots of interested professors and students and their, their families and you know, as well as some um, local residents who are just interested in how do I eat better? What does that mean? And what is fresh olive oil? So they sort of, I guess, subliminally, we're asking themselves these questions all along, you know, wanting to eat healthier and wanting to learn how to cook better, uh, especially in the advent of like the food network and the internet. I mean, in the early 2000s, it was still like 56k modems and broadband video was not really a thing. So very difficult to get the message out in the early days unless we were doing, you know, sort of a physical tasting at a store uh, right. who's hosting us. Um, but yeah, in this, you know, in this town, it's, you know, it's taken off in Annapolis, it's taken off. Um, you know, really, I think people are excited about great extra virgin olive oil. And it was really an epiphany to most of them, even the ones who were well-traveled. Well, I will say during Midnight Madness, uh, the three nights that we stay open here in Annapolis um, in the winter, I have I avoid Seasons Tap Room just because it's too jam full. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I get it's it. a small store. It is a small store. You know, it, it's it's lo it's long and narrow, and it's very funny. I've gone in there a couple times. And I said, I'm just like, okay, this is way too crowded, way too crowded. I remember uh, somebody posted a picture of a Jerry Garcia fest at Merriweather, and there was, I think you know, 12 million people in this like one acre plot of land. And I'm like, that looks just absolutely miserable. So when it gets too, too crowded, personally, I step out, but that sort of is a testament to the quality and to the product that you guys are selling there. You had mentioned health a couple different times and I'm without, with a disclaimer that you're not a doctor, but talk about the, uh, the health aspects of olive oil. Yeah. So it's, um, it's a, obviously a fruit crushed into an oil. So you want to, um, you know, you want to consume it as fresh and quickly as possible. And when you do, you're sort of consuming maximum amounts of polyphenols, which are antioxidants, anti-inflammatories that help uh, protect your body. It's also an interesting substance. I mean, olive oil itself is high oleic. So what happens is when you're eating, for instance, or you're cooking, let's say you're cooking sauteed vegetables. Um, you can totally saute with extra virgin olive oil. And when you're sauteing vegetables and uh, let's say you eat them right thereafter, the oil is actually helping to deliver through your bloodstream these nutrients in these vegetables faster throughout your entire body. Um, it also helps keep your arteries clean and unclogged. 
Um, that's another big component. Um, the American Heart Association, I think, is really catching on to all of its many um, heart benefits and health benefits that you know sort of keep us healthy. It's also good for brain health. You know, your brain is mostly fat, and this is one of the healthiest fats we can possibly consume um, because it's natural. It's made through mechanical methods of crushing olives into a paste, separating the oil from the solids in the water and spinning that oil and filtering it into a final product. So there's very minimal uh, retouching involved. It's not like a seed oil that's sent to a refinery and you know, typically um, processed with hexane and benzene and everything's kind of stripped out of it and a few things maybe added back either naturally or artificially. But in terms of quality product into your body for health benefits, extra virgin olive oil is top at the list. In fact, it's even part of Harvard School of Public, uh, Public Health's um, sort of food pyramid. It's right at the middle, and um, as it should be. Um, you mentioned that you, you consume it as quickly as possible, and I guess uh, now I may be embarrassed to say, but I mean, how, what is the shelf life? of When I buy a bottle of olive oil at Seasons, um, what, what's the shelf life expected on that? I mean, I'm assuming that— yeah. Yeah. So olive oil is made in the Northern Hemisphere in October and November. And in the Southern Hemisphere, in places like Chile, Peru, Australia, it's made in the month of April and May. So we're buying from both hemispheres regularly, and we're releasing fresh oil into the store as soon as we have it um, in our possession. So you're getting the maximum freshness and health benefits by buying Seasons product. And, um, you know, it's something that typically lasts, especially on the greener side, anywhere between 12 to 18 months at peak flavor. And then after that, it's sort of a linear regression where it starts to it's it's fresh and it's a product that's becoming less fresh. It's dying. It's the opposite of wine. And it'll eventually even the best oils in the world will turn rancid. Uh, greener oils tend to turn rancid on a much slower pace than, say, an overripe oil crushed with overripe fruit. Um, those tend to have a, a shorter shelf life. Okay, good. I'm glad. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm good. I was afraid that you were going to say, "Oh yeah, they, they've got like a like a three week shelf life," and I'm like, "Oh no, man." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it, it's not like burrata cheese. Right, right. Well, yeah. what, what happens? And you say you get you get the olives and you you crush them and you you paste them and you extract them. What what waste? I mean. Are you just doing anything with the waste out of this, or are you just extracting the oil? Well, I mean, is there... we do a little bit of both. So like at the mill, for instance, when you crush olive fruit, olives are typically 30% pulp, right? Mm -hmm. The water content goes up or down uh, versus when you're crushing, or basically in line with when you're crushing and when the fruit is at a certain point of um, mature or immature, whether it's green or whether it's it's black at the end of the ripening cycle. So if it's black and you're crushing late, it's going to have a shorter shelf life and you're going to get a lot more oil out of that olive because the oleogenesis is happening. The water's turning into oil as the fruit's ripening, but it's a, usually a lower quality, almost 9 times out of 10. It's a low aroma, you know, sort of bulk standard quality that sometimes is extra virgin, sometimes ends up being lampante or lamp oil that goes off to a refinery. Okay. Uh, that's typically in the month of, of December. But when the um, when the olives are crushed, you know, there's obviously pits and 
fine elements of crushed pits and pulp that are, you know, essentially pumped out and sent to a refinery. The pits themselves are actually extracted and put into large piles. So you could use them for renewable energy, uh, such as electricity or heating the mill, um, that sort of thing. And the water is uh, typically pumped off into a wastewater pond that's controlled by like a local environmental um, agency. It sort of has o- oversight over the water. So it's like a treatment. And, and sometimes the paste and sometimes the leaves when they're destemmed, when the olives come in off the truck before they're washed, um, they, uh, that, that product is used as compost. Sounds like a pretty uh, a pretty green operation there. What er- what areas of the country? You said you've, you purchased from the southern hemisphere and the northern hemisphere, and obviously you've got your mill in Spain. I mean, is there an area of the country that produces the better olives? Uh, I mean, you know, you can argue wine. Well, you know, and- it, it's it's really funny. It's it's one of these um, it's one of these fallacies, like the provenance fallacy, where. I'm from Greece. We have the best olive oil ever. I'm from Italy. Italians make the best olive oil. Forget about Spain. It, it, it's sort of like soccer. Everybody, you know, turns it into politics and nationalizes the best olive oil comes from my country, which, you know, we have a mill in Spain. I'm not going to say the best oil in the world come, comes from Spain. A lot of it does just because the industry's there and there's more of it. Um, Spain makes 55% of the world's total volume, but great olive oil can be made anywhere. It's really, uh, kind of predicated on how clean the fruit is. So no pesticides. The, the fruit has to be uh, really just pristine and well taken care of. The mill has to have the right equipment. It needs to be almost like a pharmaceutical laboratory, super clean, no aromas. Olive oil picks up aroma like a sponge. So if you have a tractor outside or you have a machine that's running hot and there's smoke all over, Guess what? It's going right into that olive oil. So no way. Regardless, yeah, regardless of where you make it, Spain, Italy, France, Greece, wherever, uh, it could pick up those um, sort of unpleasant aromas. So it's not such an easy product to make well. Um, you know, other considerations when you're milling, um, you know, I see this in places like Israel. Uh, it's hot a lot of the times. Same thing in Syria, where there's also a, a decent amount of olives. It's super hot. So you know, first cold press, which is a term that doesn't mean too much. It should be called first cold extraction because we're extracting the oils, not crushing them uh, with uh, giant granite mills and animals uh, moving the granite mill in a circle exposed to air, which is basically oxidizing the product and picking up any aroma that, um, that is near it. Um, everything is now cold extracted. So that process really helps great producers make better quality every year and you can get very technical on how you crush the olives with a disc or a hammer mill and there's various speed settings and once the olive paste is in a malaxer and it sort of reverse reverses the homogenization of the paste that separates the solids and the water and the oil before it goes into a horizontal centrifuge and spins off like imagine a bucket full of water waste and oil the oil's at the top now spin it like a windmill the oil is in the middle of this 3,000 RPM centrifuge, and it just pushes the oil out and discards on either side the waste and the wastewater, uh, the pulp and the, the water from the fruit. That's so fascinating. It, it's, yeah, you know, it's really about, it, it's like anything else in life. You know, there's nice things everywhere, but it's all about attention to detail, whether it's 
farming and creating the best quality fruit with no defects, or whether it's milling and uh, you know just using pristine conditions and you know very uh, sort of experienced operators that understand how to make high quality olive oil. It's not so simple. So that back to the Israel Syria thing. If you're in the Middle East, it's hot all the time, even at harvest. And when you're outside trying to crush olives that are hot, they're going to have defects. So they're going to have problems, right? The oil's not going to turn out as good as it could have if it were crushed, you know, a little bit earlier in the morning or later in the evening uh, when it cools off. And a lot of times people just show up with warm fruit. And, and this is most mills everywhere. And they just go at it and start crushing. That's not how you make quality. So there, there is um, great attention to detail that um, needs to be had when making great olive oil. And also, it can't rain. You know, when olives are crushed, it's, it's usually the fall, right? So it's the rainy season. You can't get into fields and harvest olives when it's wet out. You can't harvest and, and uh, crush super humid fruit either. If it's too humid, you're going to have a, another defect problem. So it's um, it's tricky, but it just requires lots of study, skill, practice. And yeah, great oil can be made anywhere. Well, so that means it, it's refreshing to know that there's not some like 8,000-gallon tanker out behind your store in Annapolis filling up the stainless steel canisters that are that are up there. I mean, wow, this is uh, this is amazing that there's so much that goes into it. I had no no concept whatsoever. Oh, yeah, um, it's it's very elaborate. You'd be surprised. Has this been your career all your life? I mean, where, where did did was this just like, hey, we need to do this and get this entrepreneurial well, bug to do it? Or yeah, no, it's not. It's not my. I wouldn't call this my second career. I'd call this my uh, mostly my primary career. I was in New York City for a few years working in corporate America. I worked for an art auction house. I was in the art business for a little while. Um, I enjoyed it, but I realized like this isn't my future. And I had a, an uncle in the city who had some really amazing, you know, well, well-revered restaurants in Manhattan. And I started just like hanging out with him and getting into food and like cooking with the chefs and meeting all these interesting people. I'm like, wow, this is so exciting. You know, this is not like the food I grew up with in Bethlehem. And that sort of like sparked a whole lot of other things. And uh, my wife, Soraya, who I actually met in high school in Bethlehem when she was an exchange student, and we've been together since 1994, 1995. Uh, so that's a long time. And then we ended up getting married and living in the city together. And when we were in New York, we're like, do we really want to do this sort of like rat race thing and work in corporate America forever? Both of us said no. So we went back to Spain and, and just really you know, bootstrapped and learned the whole olive oil business from A to Z, which uh, her family was always a part of. And I got to meet lots of really exciting and interesting people because of that. That's fantastic. And you've brought it here to Annapolis. Again, Seasons Olive Oil Vinegar and Tap Room is at 180 Main Street. If you're going up Main Street, it's on the right, about midway up Main Street. And um, it's it's a great narrow store with, as you said, probably 60 or so different flavors of virgin, extra virgin olive oil. Sorry, I don't mind to downgrade you there with the virgin olive oil, but... <laughs> Um, Thanks. And as you said, Taryn is great as far as getting recipes. If you want to go to the website, which is seasonstaproom.com, they've got recipes and tips and everything else that you've got there. 
Um, we're talking with Tim Balshi, who is the owner of Seasons. And this has just been absolutely fascinating to find out how this is all sourced and, you know, brought here. What's what's in the future for Seasons? Do you have any more expansion or? Yeah, you know, I, I think we're, we're going to stick with our four stores because that's already, you know, a lot to handle. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of, again, attention to detail, uh, management. They're all doing well. And, you know, for that, we're forever grateful. Um, we're, we're really just concentrating now on a new website so we can we can sell more online to our fans. And Taryn's been doing a great job managing the store through COVID, which is tough with limited access. Sure. And, uh, you know, only a few handful of people at most um, allowed to come into the store to taste. But we do offer curbside pickup, which is which has been helpful for a lot of the residents and certainly well received. Without a doubt. What is your favorite flavor? What is your favorite oil? Do you have one that's always My there? Favorite oil, uh, yeah. a flavored oil or any oil? Well, just the oils that you sell. What if you needed to go in and buy one oil? Out of seasons, what one are you? Are you Tim Balshi buying? Okay. See, and I'm okay, not asking is, what's your favorite yeah. kid. Okay, so let's. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'll cut to the chase. So I would buy, I would buy the green Pequod Family Reserve. That's our sort of like Keystone go-to product. Everyone loves it. It's uh, from the Pequod Olive, which makes this real balanced, uh, very aromatic, clean, uh, fresh flavor of notes of green grass. Uh, tomato leaf. Sometimes you get some tropical flavors with it. It's just really interesting and it works well on all food. It's your classic sort of finishing oil, but you can certainly cook with it at the price point we offer it at. And what was that? It was the green? Uh, it's a green Piqual, P-I-C-U-A-L, Family Reserve. That's how it's known in the stores. And it's a it's a wonderful go-to oil. It's special. Well, I've That's got to... made during the first two weeks of October. Well, I've got to be downtown a little bit later on today, so I am going to go in and now that I know how to spell and pronounce Piqual, I'm going to go yeah. in and look like I look like I know something when I go into there. It's uh, olive oil for You'll me is it. a lot like art, and I I know what I like. Uh, I don't necessarily know why I like it, and I do the same thing with beer. I mean, you hear a beer master, or a, a brew master saying, "Oh, there's hints of chocolate," and I'm like, I can't taste that. I can tell you, I like it. And yeah, well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned chocolate. Uh, lots of people who try olive oil for the first time use the word, oh, this is bitter. But, you know, Americans love bitter. We love dark chocolate. We love coffee. We love endive. Yeah. Those are all bitter foods. So olive oils within that category. Interesting. Well, I will let you go. I do appreciate your time. I appreciate your patience because we pushed you off a little bit. But Tim Balshi, who is the owner of Seasons Tap Room, in Annapolis, 180 Main Street, the website seasonstaproom.com. And again, this is a great story. If you're ever looking for like a hostess or a host gift, if you're staying over at somebody's house for the weekend, while it doesn't necessarily scream Annapolis, it is a great gift. It's something a little bit different than this, the boring bottle of wine that you're going to bring. And uh, I, I would recommend it. And talk to Taryn there or any of, anybody that's in the store because they can really steer you in the right direction. And uh, certainly, Tim, you gave me a, a bunch of things to think about, and I had no concept that there was this this much into bringing the oils to Annapolis. Yeah, it's such a it sounds so simple, but um, you know, of course, it it never is, right? Um, I, I really appreciate your time, and and thank you for including us on the podcast. We're so happy to be here.
Absolutely. Thank you. And you have a great rest of the weekend. You too. Enjoy. Thanks, Annapolis. Thanks for listening to this week's Local Business Spotlight. Please make sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinion. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you all the day's local news direct to your phone, tablet, or computer in about 10 minutes. It comes to you at 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.